shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and prosper wherever I send it. And the, the word of God is like rain that comes down from heaven to the earth, and it penetrates the soil, and it works beneath the surface where we can't see it, but it's at work, and it will complete what God sent it to do because it is backed up by the very authority, the very authority and the power of the author of the word, who is none other than God. Rain in the Bible represents blessing or divine judgment. The rain that we're, we're asking you and I'm asking you to prepare for is a rain of God's divine blessing. And by the way, we're, in, we're here together for the first time in a long time. We got to get used to praising the Lord again. Got to get used to standing up again. Amen. But this is a new day. Somebody say it's a new day. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Now, during these past two years of COVID-19, people around the world have been forced to wear physical masks. Somebody say amen. There have been debates about the effectiveness of masks to stop the spread of COVID-19. Some have argued and even resorted to physical violence about their liberties being violated. And as we look forward to the time when we'll no longer need to wear masks at all, I want to talk about a different kind of mask. Invisible masks that we wear, we wear, we wear to protect ourselves from rejection. Masks that we wear so that people won't really see us. We'll talk about that next week. And we can avoid rejection because under that mask is really who we are. The mask, another mask, is the mask that portrays an image of ourselves that reflects strength and confidence. I call that our social media mask, our profile, our travels, our special uh, diets and things that we're doing that we want people to see our strength and we want them to see that we are confident. Then we have another mask, a third mask, that is the mask of pretension. We, we play act a part or we, we, we publicly have a lifestyle that does not reflect who we truly are in private. The young folks used to call that perpetrating, <laughs> where we pretend to be what we're not. The Bible calls that being a hypocrite. But the most dangerous mask of all is the mask that I'm going to be talking about today, and I'm calling it the pharisaical mask. That wasn't given to us by Christ because the Bible says we have been called, preordained by the foreknowledge of God, that we would be conformed to the image, that we would look like Jesus in how we think and how we live. And so there is an image that we should be portraying. There is a real mask, an outward reflection of Christ that should be on demonstration. But the mask that the Pharisees wore, or the mask that I'm calling pharisaical, it's the mask of churchianity, not Christianity. Uh, the mask of Pharisaism convinces us that we are something that we really are not. This mask becomes comfortable because 
comfortable and natural because it's, we wear, we've worn it so long. What we've taught people about how to be saved and how to be righteous and how to be spiritual is how much do you know? How many ministries are you a part of? How consistent are you tithing? So we've made being spiritual a task, not transformation. We made spirituality how we look on the outside. The Bible says a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We made it something that starts from the outside rather than being birthed and cultivated from the inside. That's what the Lord says. He says that he, we should be confident that he who began a good work in us, yeah. in us, will complete it, will complete it. And so what the Lord is concerned about is that we don't look the part on the outside while on the inside we haven't changed. But when you're wearing the pharisaical mask, it's so religious and it looks so it fits so comfortably in the church environment that it doesn't even seem like a mask. And we mistake, we, we, we mistake the rules of man for the righteousness of God. We become the standard rather than the word. It's so interesting how we can talk about God's word and move from the word so quickly and interject our experience above the word. That's what Pharisaism, the mask of being self-righteous, or thinking that you are when you really aren't. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me not get ahead of myself. In Isaiah chapter 58, the Lord addressed two of the masks that I've referenced. He, he addresses the mask of pretense. When we are intentional about giving the impression in public of something that we really aren't in private. We're one way at church, and then we're held on wheels at home. The second mask that he addresses is the one of Pharisaism, or the Pharisaical mask, because you can be in, in, you can wear the mask of pretense and not even know that you are. You become so used to it. Now listen to the uh, two verses. I'm going to first read from the Living Letters Bible, uh, verse 2. It says, yet you act so pious. They come to the temple every day and are delighted to hear the reading of the law. They love reading their Bibles. Just as though they would obey them, just as though they would. Just as though they don't despise the commandments of their God. How anxious they are to worship correctly. Get it right. You missed the verse. You missed the chapter. You missed the, you missed the punctuation. And he said, just as though you, just as, as though you would obey it, and you, don't, and you don't despise the commandments of God, how they love the temple services. They love coming to church. Now, for the King James folks, my King James members, let, let, me, let me read what King James says. Yet ye seek daily, seek me daily, and delight to know my ways as a nation, as a nation that did righteousness and forsook the ordinance of their God. 
They ask me for the ordinances and so forth. But the key here is that in the modern translation, it says you act like something you really aren't. The King James uses the advertisal, ad, adverbial, the adjectival phrase as or like you look the part. But in reality, what you act like you are is not really who you are. Now, check out how the Lord tells the prophet Isaiah to respond to people who have become so accustomed to looking spiritual on the outside, but actually not being changed on the inside. I want you to understand that this is so serious as we go into this. When you are spiritual on the inside, the fire of God never goes out. When you are spiritual on the inside, you can love people that hate you. When you are spiritual on the inside, God will give you a word in the midst of your fiery furnace and let you know that you're not alone and no one else is in the room. Notice how God instructs the prophet, the preacher, to talk to the nation of Israel about praying and fasting and reading the Bible, coming to church and taking communion and tithing and all those things are good and that's what spiritual people should do, but those things don't make you spiritual. We should do those things because we are spiritual, because we desire to please the Lord. And the first thing he tells them, he said, call it out. Uh, he didn't just, he didn't say it exactly like they said, shout it aloud. Put them on blast. There ain't no, I want them to hear this. Don't whisper this. Don't, 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 don't try to be sophisticated and, 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 and make them comfortable. Shout this out like, I want you to sound like a trumpet. I want this thing to be so loud that it's blaring and to the extent that it actually agitates them. I want to shake them from the comfort of just coming to church and being religious. I want to shake them into a place where they are conduits of the Spirit of God. And when they speak and when they stand, that the authority of God is on display. I want the fire of God. So shake them by blasting this out. Call them out in public. Now, when God says yell, so don't yell at me. You can just tell me quietly. I can hear my wife say, it's not what you said. When God says yell, he's saying that the situation is urgent. You're about to go over the cliff here. If you don't get this, people won't see Jesus. They're going to bust hell wide open if the church doesn't understand that you got to take off this mask that, that, that of, of false righteousness and false humility and false commitment. And we'll see when we can know if we're wearing that mask. God tells the prophet to yell when the situation is urgent. He tells the prophet to yell when he wants us to know, I care. I care 
I created you in my own image and likeness so that we could have fellowship one with another. I ain't trying to have no fling with you. I'm not trying to be your side piece. I'm not trying to date you. I want you as a church to be my bride, my number one boo. God said, I care. But he's also saying when he says call them out in public, put them on blast, God is, God is saying, I'm angry at what you're currently doing. I'm not happy. I believe with all my heart that the reason why we've had the pandemic and what's going on in the world today is not a surprise to God. I, we go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 10. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, not just out of, out of ritual, it's time to pray. And then we, 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 we just spew out a bunch of cliches. No, no, no. The fervent, effectual, the sincere, genuine, authentic prayers of the righteous can do what Elijah did. He prayed, and it didn't rain for three years. And the Lord reminds us he was an ordinary man just like you and I. But when you have that intimacy with the Lord, great things will happen. So when he says, yeah, he's saying, this is serious. Some of us have been in the church for so long, we, we, we actually spiritually brain dead. I mean, we didn't heard the word for so, for so, so long, and, and we know how to respond to say amen when you're supposed to say amen. Wait for hearing. God is good. We're supposed to do all the time. We know the songs by heart, but the songs have not transformed our heart. He says, put them on blast. Now, notice what God is, says that he should say to the people. A lot of preachers ain't saying this. This ain't going to pack the church. But this is what the Lord says. He says, declare to my people their rebellion and transgression. Talk to them about their sin. Oh, we don't have to. You can stay home and hear about sin and how bad I'm is. Well, you can't go to the Bible and hear what God says and not talk about sin. Now, I don't know what Bible you're using, but, but let, let me move on. God calls pretending to be what we're not, sin, a violation of his word. Remember, we don't get to decide how spiritual we are because we check off our spirit. We have a list of spiritual qualifications. I read my Bible today. I had devotions today. Uh, I didn't cuss as many times. Uh -uh, do that. <laughs> I didn't gossip today. Therefore, I am. The standard for what is acceptable and right to God that makes God real in your experience is being genuine with him about what we, what we do, not, not just going through the motions. Stay with me. Now, notice who the prophet was told to call out. He said, call out my people, the folk that come to church, the people that can leave and say, we ain't tithing no more. We don't have to go to that church. We'll go up the street. They don't even use the Bible anymore. They just have praise and worship. These are folks that we would say that are saved, 
saved on the outside and genuinely saved on the inside. But what's not happening is the reality of their walk with God is not changed. I'm not talking change. It's temporal. Transformation has to do with permanent character change. That's what Paul says. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye metamorphosized. Be ye transformed. Change from one form of character to another form of character. Those who are saved hunger and thirst after righteousness. What I'm finding is we hunger and thirst after careers. We hunger and thirst after more money. We hunger and thirst after more likes on our Facebook. We hunger and thirst to be accepted. But the Bible says that you ought to have a craving, an insatiable desire, that you want to be more and more and more like Jesus. Whenever you get shocked, you know it. When you get the connection with Jesus, oh, God, if you really connected, what happens is you don't even know where you are. You get, I mean, you can get so caught up in the spirit of God. You lose sight of time and place and who you are. and The spirit is just having its way. The Bible says that Saul went to pursue David to kill him. But he came among the prophets, and the next thing he knew, he was on the ground with all his clothes off. I ain't telling you the Lord going to take your clothes off now. <laughs> but I will say God is not a gentleman. He's not, you, you, you're not going to act like you normally would act when the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he told his people, they are in transgression. The church needs to know. There's a passage in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, where it talks about a group of people in the church called Laodicea. They were so confident. They said they were rich. That they, 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 let, me, let me read you. He said, you say, I am rich, that I have quite great wealth, and I do not need anything. He said, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. God says, when I look at you, when you sit on my examination uh, uh, bed, and I'm examining where you are spiritually, you're in bad shape. So we want to take off that mask. We don't want to be the king without clothes. We think we're strutting our stuff. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you don't got no clothes on. And so the first thing that the Lord says about being real, being real, being authentic. I said, the God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him authentically, genuinely, spontaneously, as the spirit of God is moving. That you're coming to church to receive. That you're coming to church that God will begin to stir up in your spirit what's lacking. Oh, if she was here today, she would really be... Minister to today, I wish my wife could get this. And so he says, call them out. Second thing, he says, challenge the people to evaluate their spiritual lives. When we come to the table today, the Bible said, let a man examine himself. Some of us are, call it life change, not dieting, not dieting. What we do to evaluate ourselves, how we're doing, guess what we do? We get on the scale. And man, if we put on a couple pounds, we ain't happy. 
Some, some of us won't even do it at the beginning of the day because we don't want to wreck our, you can wreck your whole day because you gained a pound. How do you feel when you look at where you are today in Christ versus where you were two years ago when this pandemic started? Are you closer to the Lord or are you in limbo? Has your relationship with him? So he, so he says, examine yourself. He says, you look so pious, you act pious, and you come to the temple every day and you delight and to hear the word of God, etc. You, have, have, you said we have fasted. Uh, why aren't you impressed? Why don't you see our sacrifices? Why don't you hear our prayers? We have done much penitence. We've humbled ourselves. We even got ashes on our head. We've given up our special program for a whole week. We just pre-recorded it for a later date in Jesus' name. We ain't going to eat pizza for a whole week. We're going to take up, oh, I'm going to bear my cross for Jesus for a whole week. I ain't eating pizza. And God, you don't notice. Here's what God responds to what they, they, they as they're evaluating themselves. We come to church. We read our Bible. We, 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 we're making penitence. We're humbling ourselves. We're, we, 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 we're, we're, we're bearing our cross. And the Lord says, because you're living in, living in evil pleasure, you're still doing your thing, even while you're fasting. Even while you're fasting, you give up one thing and you take on another habit. And you keep right on oppressing your workers. You keep right on hurting people. Look what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling. He's talking about you literally get in fist fights. Nobody's doing that when they're driving on the highway and somebody's trying to, you know, cut you off or they're going too slow. You ever seen me driving, everybody? Praise the Lord. I, I, just, I just, you know, if you want to go, go. You look, uh, it says, this kind of fasting will never give you, get you anywhere. This doing penitence or humbling yourself in the way that you actually are doing. Now, when he talks about fasting, fasting represents any spiritual or religious ritual, any habit that you have that you are doing to honor God. It can become just a habit. It can have no real spiritual impact on your life. And that's why... Where you end up being fed spiritually will impact the level of intimacy you have with the Lord. So you can join a big church and hide out. And I'm not saying all big churches are places to hide out. Or you could say, you know what? I can do this online. I can do this by myself. But God never intended for us to do this by ourselves. But when you're evaluating, where are you? Where are you right now? in terms of your level of commitment to the Lord. Now, what did the people, what did the people do that gave them confidence that they were in right standing with the Lord? I've already mentioned the things that they did. What are you looking at to evaluate where you are in your walk with the Lord? And you're asking the question, I prayed. I pushed aside my plate. 
come forth, Lord. We're, we're, we're. And so then we question, why, you know, why isn't this walk with God, why am I not experiencing what other people say they experience? We'll talk more about that. Now, why did God have an issue with their worship? There are at least four things. First of all, they misunderstood the purpose of fasting and religious ritual or ceremonies or services. They, they didn't understand why they came to church, why they read their Bible. We fast before you and we say, why, why aren't you impressed? And let me say this. The priority of fasting isn't intended for you to get more from God, but rather for you to give more of yourself to God. When you read your Bible, this is the literal voice of God speaking. And so when I approached the scripture, David prayed. He said, Lord, open my eyes that I, may, that I may behold, that I might comprehend, that you might enlighten me to the wondrous things out of your law. David also said, you will instruct me and guide me in the way that I should go. So my attitude when I go to the scripture is not, I got to do my devotions. This is what Christians do. Versus, Lord, instruct me and guide me, direct me in the way that I should go. I spend hours preparing a sermon. Hours and never still, never feel prepared. I'm in the seminary, in the ministry for 42 years now, and it never comes easy. Because and it never goes where I started. I have an idea, but by the time I get in the passage, it goes an entire, I didn't print in the preacher's passage. This was not my idea. I wanted to have a hallelujah time this Sunday. I wanted to, hey, all right. That's what that's kind of something I wanted. The Lord just dropped this thing in my spirit, but my, the point is that I have to surrender every time. And however, however much time it takes, I wait. I know my wife wish I wouldn't, but I do. And that's the spirit that we have to have when we come. So misunderstanding the purpose of, your, of, of why you're here. Why you here? Well, it's Sunday. No, the Bible says that the reason we come is so that we will be equipped to do the work of the ministry so that we can build up one another in Christ, so that we can make disciples that make disciples. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Do you even share that we have Bible study? Do you even share to tell people to come to your church? Do you? Well, I'm not going to say you don't care, but why aren't we motivated about the things that are closest and dearest to the heart of God? Here's another reason he had a problem. The manipulation of spirit, they, they, the, they manipulated a spiritual act for carnal gain. Why don't you hear our, see our sacrifices, Lord? When you going to give forth the, you the golden goose, God? We've been praying. We've been, we've been asking you. We've been, that's a, an entitlement spirit. Since I did my part, it's time for you, God, to get with my program. God ain't trying to get with our program. He's trying to wreck our program. That's our problem. We, we want to drive the car that God gave us. And, and we want to get to the destiny that God has predetermined, but we put him out of the car. 
until we get sidetracked because we blew out a tire and we're on the side of the road. They, they manipulated a spiritual act for carnal gain. Lord, when are you going to bless me for what I'm, these things that I'm doing? They mistreated people that they should have been ministering to. He said, I tell you why, because you are living in, in evil, with evil pleasures while fasting, and you keep right on oppressing the workers. You look, look what is good about fasting when you're fighting and quarreling. Now, this is the interesting thing. Our children, the Bible said, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart. But when we look at Deuteronomy 6, he says to the father and the mother, as you go along your way, when you sit, when you stand, when you're grocery store, he says, basically he's saying you train up a child, but children, the best lessons are caught rather than taught. And so he's saying when, when people look at us, what they see is no different from them. He says you are quarreling and fighting. He actually says you fist fighting, you punching on folks. Now, of course, nobody in our church fist fights, and, and, and it's too unspiritual. I went to college. I don't move my hands in that way. You know, I, 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 I make my living off. I have to heard a person say, I make my living off my hand. That's why I use a blackjack. <laughs> but you don't literally have to physically put your hands on people. You can think how you would do them if you weren't so spiritual. <laughs> You can, you, can, you can think about what you'd like for God to do to them for what they're doing to you, and then you'll feel so much better about what's happening to you. They mistreated people. We have no right to mistreat anybody. God commands us. One of the, one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit is love, but the love is one of the evidences of love is that we're kind. And when, as we look at this world that we're living in, what is needed more than anything else, it's just being kind. Looking out for other. Bible says, he, put, he says that we should think of the interests, put the interests of others above our own. That means that every single day you, be, you should be thinking about, who can I bless today? Is that how we think or... How am I going to be blessed today? How is my day going to go well today? Who's going to upset me today? Who's going to say something that they shouldn't say? I'm ready for them today. I done put oil around my doors. In the name of Jesus, don't come in my office. Are you mistreating someone? Well, if they would treat me better, I would treat them better. That's not scripture. Bible says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. If your enemy is thirsty, you give them something to drink. He was upset, upset when they were mistreated. They were also motivated for self-promotion. You do this, he says, to please yourself. I used to do things for people to pat me on the back and to acknowledge. I give a woman a seat on the bus. And then he said, oh, what a wonderful young man. I ain't a young man no more, but he said, what a wonderful, oh, somebody raised him well. One time a lady didn't say thank you. 
I got my football equipment. I'm hair holding my book bag from school. And this woman, I gave up my seat, and she never even said thank you. I think she even belched and sat down. I'm sorry. That was that was that, was that kind of thing. I said, and I was so upset that she didn't acknowledge my good deed. The Lord just exposed my motivation. I didn't do it because it was the right thing to do. I did it because I was looking for credit. Oh, I ain't the only one now. Come on now. No, 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 no. Hey, don't look at me like that. <laughs> Paul says, every man's works will be tried according to what sort they are. Wood, stubble, hay, precious stone, silver, or gold. And, and if your works suffer loss, they're going to go through the fire of God's divine judgment. And if you did the right thing for the wrong reason, God said it will be burned up. God is more concerned about why we do what we do than what we actually do. Can you do something for somebody that doesn't say thank you? Oh, that's kind of quiet here. <laughs> okay, we evaluating right now. <laughs> I actually had a lady say to me, she was a deaconess in the church, and one of the things that the deaconesses would do is bring water to the pulpit. She told me, I can't see myself doing that. I have to resign. Now, I could have been jacked up from that. Oh, Lord, she doesn't like me. That was the best thing she could have ever done. Move on. Who can't you bring water to? The Bible says that if you want to be great, don't be climbing up to get a title. Don't be climbing up to be important. Don't be trying to be... Get the most likes on Facebook. The greatest in the kingdom will be the servant of all. Now, how do you know when you're okay that somebody's treating you like a servant? It's how do you respond when they do? Oh, I live here, but I ain't your servant. We all are servants. <laughs> Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Get in public. They look for the most public place, the most obvious place. And then they pray long and loud so people can hear and see them. And Jesus said, well, they already have their reward because it was a self-addressed envelope. It went no higher than the ceiling. And it came back down and hit them in the head. What is your motivation? When you decide, I'm going to fast, when you decide, put that those ashes on me, when you decide 40 days of Lent, don't just went. You better understand why you did it. Because you just missed out on some pizza for 40 days. <laughs> now, not only does he, uh, does he challenge them to check their motivation and examine and call them out. Here's the third thing. We're going to be done in a little bit. Correct wrong practices and beliefs about false spirituality. We need to correct it. This is how God becomes real in your life. When you examine why you do what you do in the name of God. Why am I doing this? Watch this. I'm not going to read all the verses, but in 6 and 7, he says, stop oppressing those who work for you. 
and treat them fairly and give them what they earn. I'm going to run through some things. The correction. It's one thing for the Lord to call us out and tell us to challenge us to examine, but he corrects us. The word of God is inspired to give us instruction and direction. So here's the correction. He says, seek. Here's how you correct wrong motives. Seek to please God, not to pressure him into giving you what you want. Is your prayer, Lord, not my will? Oh, I had all these grandiose plans. I had a church of about 35 people in Philadelphia. I had 40 ministries. Why? Because <laughs> that's the way I was taught. You have ministries, and, and nobody was serving, and everybody was a leader, and it went nowhere. I had to come to a place where I, pre I put my plans, my agenda, on the altar and say, Lord, do with it what you please. Focus on meeting the needs of others. Every, every summer, I'm going to I'm 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 mow my lawn. I got a nice mower, too. I haven't mowed in a couple years now. But when I did, even once you put the oil and the gas in there, guess what you got to do? You got to prime that baby. Ladies, take, me for, take that from me. Pump, you got to prime it. And then, when you, and then you go. But if you never prime the pump of the lawnmower, it don't matter how much gas you got. Prayer and Bible study and coming to church is the lawnmower with gas and oil in it. But if you don't prime that baby, if you don't put it into practice, if you don't bless folk, if you don't meet real needs, all you got is a nice appearance of a functioning piece of equipment, but it's useless. Make sure that people are treated fairly. This broke my heart. Come on, Sam. I feel people's pain. I just do. I wish I didn't. <laughs> and I find myself, and don't, don't misunderstand me, y'all. I said, I try to help everybody. I really do. But I shouldn't. <laughs> and the Lord just laid that thing on me that I feel people's pain on a, such a deep level. And then I hear I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. And the Lord says, do something, but you can't do everything. I'm so shocked when, I, when it comes back to me. But I, the, the coming back to me is just the doing it because it's out of obedience. But when someone actually said, I had a, a, a police officer, he said when after uh, the, the, um, uh, uh, Floyd, uh, uh, George Floyd was murdered, he said you wouldn't imagine how he was treated for the two years he was on the force. They got called all kinds of names. He said not one person called him to ask him, how are you doing? And that just pierced my heart because I didn't call him either. Now, I can't do everything, but... I, what, I, what I do know is the Lord wants all of us 
to have a heart to meet the needs of others. It should hurt your heart when people aren't being treated right. Do something to help other people. Stare, share what you have with those who need. He said, open up your home for the poor. Open up your home for the needy. Then he said, start at home. He said, don't deprive your own flesh and blood. Here's how we do it. We, we love everybody in Jesus' name, and we treat the folk in our house like trash. We dishonor God when we neglect those. And that's what the Lord said. said you know what? You can meet everybody. You can keep on trying to do what you're doing and just burn yourself out emotionally. That's what I felt. Just wiped out emotionally. Just drained. And, you know, and seeing people die every day. Or you can do what you start at home. Bless the people in your own house. Reach out to your own relatives. Tell them about Jesus. There should be people that you know that are not making it, that are here in church today because you reached out to them, not only by inviting them, but you said, I'll come and get you, and I'll feed you when we're done. Start at home. Share what you have with those in need. Focus on meeting needs of others. Seek God. Seek to please God. And we'll finish with this. Now, here's the rain. Here's the rain. Here's the rain. Claim the promises of God that he will release from heaven when you take the mask off. You can claim these promises. When you get a chance, read verses 18 through 14. I'm going to run through these, okay? I'm glad you said okay. <laughs> the first thing, the first blessing in verse 8 is that the favor of God will shine on you like the morning star. God says, I'm going to cause my favor to just glow through you. That's the rain. When we, when, we, when we line this thing up right in our private lives, God says, my favor is going to overflow in your life. The Lord says that you're, you, what, you're, you're, you will be healed swiftly. That is, the Lord will cause your deepest wounds to be healed. What's hurting you? What wound has not been attended to? God says, when you get this private thing about walking with me in the right place, proper place. He said, I'm going to heal the deepest wounds you have. The Lord will give you a personal reference for the places he's taking you. You're not supposed to get that job, but he says, your righteousness will go before you. God said, I'm going to be your reference. <laughs> you know how we, <laughs> we ask people, would you do a reference for me? Now God said, here's what, your righteousness will go before you. I'm going to write you a reference. I'm going to be your representation. The Lord will have your back. The Bible says the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You know how people say, I got your back until you get in trouble. I got your back until you need a couple dollars. I got your back until things are, no, no, no. God said, my glory will be your rear guard. I got you. I will be your protection. I will be your buckler and shield. I'll be your shelter in a dry place. I will be all that you need. He says, here's the rain. Here's the rain. The Lord says, I will answer your prayers. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry out and God said, I will say, here I am. Anybody want to have that kind of hookup with God with that you know when you talk to him that he hears you and not only has he heard your prayers, he will answer you. 
and he ain't gets even deeper than in such a personal way, you will recognize his voice and say, here I am. Here I am. Oh, it's good to have friends to come. It's good to have people you know to come. But the Lord said, I will show up. I will show up. The Lord will direct you and cause you to prosper. Verses 10 through 11, he will direct you and cause you to prosper. And finally, the Lord will cause you to enjoy serving him and to enjoy all of his blessings. It's one thing to be blessed and still complaining and miserable. It's another thing to have the joy of the Lord to allow you to be in the circumstance that you're in right now. And you're not just faking it until you make it. You really have the joy of the Lord in you. You really are okay with being okay. You really are all right with being all right. You're really okay that the Lord is the source of your strength. Stand with me. Stand with me. The rain, the rain, the rain. Oh, I lived in Houston. And it's funny about how Houston is. You could be on one side of the street in Houston, and it's pouring down raining. And on the opposite side, it's totally dry. My question to you today, what side of the street are you on? Is God's blessing raining on you? It's blessing raining on you. I shared with you all about this bug that my mother brought me. It was a Volkswagen. It was red. It had mag tires. It was elevated in the front. It had special handle, a steering wheel. It was like a little, a little steering wheel made out of wood. That thing was sweet. It had a clutch. You could put your fingers on the side. It was just, oh, man, my friends would see it, and they were like, Wow. And you turn that thing on. It had the, the nice bucket seats in it. After I come home from school, I get in my little, my Volkswagen. I turn the music on, put the seat back. I started up. My friends would be walking by, waving. I'm like, grinning like a chest cat. Look what I got. Look what I got. I did that for about three or four months. One day I came home and the car was gone. I ran the house. Somebody stole the car, Mom. She said, no, I sold it. <laughs> what? She said, I didn't buy you the car for it to stay parked. I didn't have a driver's license. I wasn't even motivated to get one. I just like looking like I was special. I want you to know that prayer and fasting and reading the word of God and coming to church is like having that beautiful Volkswagen. You just got the answer for that question. I can get to that Bible verse. I, 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 I can testify what God did for me 10 years ago. But if you don't put that baby on the road, if you're not meeting people's needs, if you're not loving the free people that are in your own home, then all that you're doing is wearing a mask. You are self-deceived. And today, I challenge you, take off the mask. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. Oh God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh God, we thank you for allowing us to be in this place. 
Father, you've never called any of us to do everything. If we could, then we would be God. But Father, you've called all of us.